Hello, everybody, and welcome to Golf versus Golf, the hybrid podcast where we discuss, debate, and analyze everything in the world of golf and disc golf. I'm your co-host, Charlie Tinsley, and joined with me in studio as always, Aaron Valini and Anthony Valini. How you doing, fellas? Good. Anthony, three weeks in a row. I know I'm going to keep saying it. Yes. There is a lot we could talk about this week in the world of golf and disc golf. Hey, um, I'm, I'm here. Thanks. Okay. Hey, Anthony. There's a lot we could talk about. However, we have a special guest. This is the first time we've ever had anyone in studio with us, and we have three-time All-Star, MLB All-Star, World Series champ, and the NL National League Comeback Player of the Year, Greg Holland. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. We are so excited to have you here. And if you don't know, we uh, where we live in North Carolina is where Greg – um, where Greg is from. He he grew up here in McDowell County. Now, I was talking to you earlier. Where exactly in McDowell County, for those that know where the locals, where did you grow up? Born and raised in Dysertsville. Dysertsville, which That's is God's country. Yeah. I mean, and where he said, it's a mile from my house, less than a mile from really? my house. Yep. So every time I drive by where he used to live, I'll be like, that's where that Greg Holland's from. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, we're excited. We we have a lot we want to get into with you, and we know you got to get home to the wife and kids. But first things first, how how was today? What what were you up to today? Well, um, a lot of nothing really. Um, had a pretty good summer so far, but it's just been you know taking care of the kids. Um, they're kind of keeping me on my toes. It's been a lot of fun uh, having the summer with them. And uh, my nephew Lane spent the night with us last night, so uh, it worked out good. Drove him down here and hitting up the podcast now. Okay, so he, you're a dad like us. Aaron has two, boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Aaron Leo, I have two, two boys, Solomon Owen. Anthony has two, Emerson and Hudson. How many do you have? Ages and names. Two. Nash is going to be eight on the 1st of October. Okay. And daughter Hunter just turned five. Okay. Yeah, and they're both about to be in school starting Monday, so I'm looking forward to the middle of my day being off. Maybe I can get some uh, some swing into the golf clubs in. Yeah, boy. I hear you. Now, so the so the the youngest one, she's the baby and she's the girl. Oh yeah. Does that does that cause any issues or what does that? You know, like? uh, I'm I'm pretty bad about it. You know, she <laughs> she gets away with a lot. Um, she's the youngest and she's the girl, so she gets she gets away with a lot you know my son takes the brunt of it all the time mine is also my girl is the youngest <laughs> mine is not mine is the oldest and she thinks she's my son's mama but it's the girls will soften you up for sure oh they will i, I cried like a baby when eric was born and i'm not <laughs> i'm not an just talking person. about that i'm talking know, about but even from that from the very beginning which hudson got away with a lot of stuff too but she is definitely well they all of our kids probably get away with more than they no, should yeah. well let me ask you this do your kids realize who you are or I mean are you just that or do they know your accomplishment major league baseball player what all you accomplished or they just I mean are you just dad to them world champion baseball player yeah um I you know I was fortunate enough to my son picked up the game a couple years ago uh, and he's all about it and the last two seasons especially he's really been able to enjoy coming to a major league ball field, go in the clubhouse, see different players and stuff like that. So I'm glad I got to share that experience with him. But, you know, they're they're kids and I'm their dad. Um and that's what I am to them, you know. Right. They don't really know anything different. I kinda as far as you know, a father being in the major league. Have you ever showed them you on T V? Uh my son has seen me play and my daughter's seen me play too, but I think they're just more concerned with getting popcorn and candy at the game. So you know, uh 
I and I and I and I like it that way too because I don't you know for me I just happen to be a normal guy from McDowell County and and I was good in baseball and I'm fortunate for that but um, at the end of the day I'm I'm trying to be a dad now and you know maybe it's one of those things later on um, they can understand that that they got to have some cool experiences with me um, different parts of the country and and doing some pretty cool stuff well let's be honest every every kid's not going to be able to say my dad played in the MLB and won a World Series. So no, that's very pretty, few. That's, actually, that's pretty cool. Now, see, here is interesting because my perspective is I I came to McDowell County uh, just my senior year of high school, and then I went back off to college. I come back, and you know, here in McDowell County, and we're not just trying to flatter you. Just telling you how to, you, that was the time where your career was taking off. So I come back and I see Kansas City shirts all over the county, flags hanging up. You know, it was special, and then you learn about Greg Holland. And I'll be honest, I I like baseball. Not a super, you know, into it fan, I guess you would say, as far as watching it. But I was watching some of your highlights today. Bro, you were nasty. You were nasty and probably still are very nasty when it comes to throwing a baseball pretty hard. Yeah, I was uh... – yeah, I had a pretty good run. I'm I'm very I'm very lucky. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I call some good breaks. Um, the right people like me, but I also busted my tail. So I'm uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity. And um, you know, I, it's one of those things that as I get older, I I get to look back on it and, may, and maybe uh, kind of take it into context a little bit. But uh, I'm just glad for the experience mostly. Awesome. Well, real quick, we do want to get to because you you've been playing some golf recently. Uh, you enjoy golf. You, I guess you played with Anthony here a few times, and probably whooped his tail. So, but but we want to get in the golf. the The podcast is golf versus golf. Golf and disc golf is kind of our little niche that we found here on the podcast realm. But we'd be a little remiss without kind of getting your take and just kind of looking at your life kind of going up through the baseball career. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll get into the golf. So we had Chase on the show, your brother. He spoke a little bit about, you know, your growing up, pretty competitive house. Now I get you're the oldest, am I correct? No, sister's the oldest. Sister's the I'm oldest. I'm the middle child, yeah. You're the, oh, the middle child. Okay. That explains a lot. It does explain a lot. And so Chase, that makes Chase the baby. Yep. Oh, and yeah. I, and, okay. That so. definitely explains a lot. <laughs> so, um, so you're growing up um, just – Honestly, I mean, I'm not tr- not really anything handed to you. Could I say it like that? Here in McDowell County, we're not a big necessarily sports camp where tons of athletes are getting drafted to college or getting drafted to the pros or anything like that. You really kind of started from pretty humble beginnings, is what it kind of seems like to me. Do you want to maybe just kind of bring us through your childhood a little bit up to you know maybe even the high school high school ball? Yeah, I mean. Um you know, I was fortunate to have parents um, that provided for us. You know, we, um, my mom and dad, God love them. They they worked really hard to provide us. You know, we were always anytime we wanted to be on a ball field uh, or a basketball court, we were. Um, even if that meant, you know, them taking some sac- having some sacrifices along the way, we were always at the field. We were always at practice. We always had bats and gloves and balls. So. We always had everything we needed, and we thought we were very fortunate, and we were. Um, right. But that was just, you know, we grew up on a field, um, hitting rocks, hitting bottle caps, hitting socks, whatever we could. Right. And just loving loving games, whatever it was, baseball, football, basketball. So you grow up here in McDowell County, and then I guess – in did you play all sports? I mean, were you kind of 
in a lot of sports are or when did that transition go to where you were all baseball? Pretty early actually. I I loved basketball and, and still do like to play. I just never hit I'm still waiting on that growth spurt, you yeah. know, at five nine so and we're Aaron and Anthony. Same. Yeah. At, <laughs> at five nine and a half, it wasn't in the cards for me. Um I played one year of football in, in junior high. Uh, wasn't really fast enough or strong enough to play the positions I wanted. So um played rec league basketball but up until I was like 16 or 17. But it was mainly baseball uh, and hunting and fishing for me growing up. Okay. So you get to high school. You play for McDowell. You let, me, let me interject. Yeah, go ahead. Is it – I want to get the rumor cleared. Did you get cut at McDowell? No. Not that I know of. Okay. Not that I know uh, How about like in middle school or anything? Uh-uh. No, it's not, a, it's not an MJ story. I uh, I don't think we ever even – I don't think – I mean, maybe I was close to getting cut. I don't know. But, uh, no, I was always a pretty good player. Uh, I didn't pitch much. I was an infielder mainly. Uh, really? So yeah. you played – I seen online today you played third base, right? Yeah, I played third and short, yeah. Okay. Batting average pretty good, pretty, you know. I couldn't tell you. It was probably not as high as I was expecting. Right. Um, but I always expected I was never going to make an out. So, <laughs> you know, there you yeah, go. Yeah. So, you, you you go through McDowell, and then you go to college at Western Carolina. And I did not know this till Chase told me in the last podcast. You were a walk-on at, at Western Carolina. Is that is that true? Yeah. Um, and, and when I talk about those breaks, you, you kind of never know how it's going to – how your life's going to pan out. I mean, I was a pretty good baseball player and I broke my jaw my senior year in high school. I lost a bunch of weight. Um, I mean, down into the 130s, 140s when, wow. when I graduated high school. So the college baseball thing wasn't really on the table. Um, I played that summer after my senior year and I, I gained some strength back and stuff. And Blue Ridge Community College wanted me to come play third base and pitch a little bit okay. was what I was told. I was going to go there, but because academically I'd done well in school, an in-state four-year college was going to be cheaper for me because I had a lot of scholarships than actually going to Blue Ridge Community College. So I went to Western. I remember telling my dad, you know, if I can't play there, then I'm not good enough to play. And I I went and uh, walked on. And at that point, I you know, I was back up into the 160s. Had a pretty good arm, and uh, they kind of kept me around. Wow. So if you go to Blue Ridge, does does your career turn out the same? Because I, I can imagine not because uh you know, I, I think primarily I was gonna play the infield for the conversations I had with the coach there at the time. Did you did you ever think if you ever made the MOB would you be a pitcher? Did you ever think that? Or did you think I'll be a infielder? I never you know, I I think we all dream when we're kids of playing whatever sport it is or being a president or flying a spaceship i always dreamed of playing shortstop next to chipper jones growing up (laughs) um but once i got into college i was just concerned with seeing how far i could take that um and it started out with i just want to make this team because they they were pretty blunt with me when eric philippek who's now the coach at tc robertson high school he said you, you know you showed us you had a pretty good arm um you're raw you're not on the team but we want to keep you around Wow. So that was my main concern that fall of my freshman year was just showing them that I was not going to quit and I was going to continue to progress. Wow. One of the interesting things – now, I'm a teacher, and I'm going to have some students listening to this. You go to WCU because you had good enough grades. Mm-hmm. You And that's interesting to me because you, t- you talk to a lot of athletes, and it's like they're getting into these schools – 
off their athletic ability. And here we have you that goes to WCU, be cut not not on a scholarship. Now, of course, you, you turn out to be an incredible player, but it was it was off your education, having having the grades to get into school there. And then from there, that kind of catapults you into the into the baseball team. Yeah, it was one of those deals where, you know, $500 scholarship here and SA $1,000 scholarship there, I'd kind of pieced together um, my first two years of tuition were going to be free. Okay. Um, and ironically enough, my junior year of college, I I called one of our coaches and I said, listen, I'm $1,000 short of paying my tuition. And I got $1,000 my junior year. Wow. From uh, I guess that was the only scholarship I got at Western. But um, – yeah, you know, it, it worked out. Um, I, you know, I was pretty good in school. I didn't really love it. Um, I guess I was a good test taker, you know. Right, right. So even after that, no point at Western, even your senior year, they didn't give you a scholarship. No, I I was drafted after my junior year. Um, okay. Yeah, and I got a thousand dollars scholarship my junior year okay. to because that was kind of the remaining balance. Off topic. First. What did you study in college? Natural resource management. Um, with a concentration in forestry. I, I just knew I wanted to be outside. Um, and ironically enough, my junior year, my advisor told me that, you know, if you're good enough at your job, you're going to end up in a desk. And I just kind of laughed that off. Right. Um, and just trying to talk me out of baseball too, because it's one of those majors where a lot of your classes, your last two years are outdoors. Yeah. The timing's weird. She's like, it's just not going to play out. Wow. So, so kind of speak, to the – I'm real interested in this progression because, I mean, this is the stuff they do, you know, sports centers 30 for 30s. You're a walk-on. And, I mean, walk-on to World Series champ, okay? <laughs> so speak to the work you're putting in. I mean, anything you can give us as far as that progression, getting a walk-on, then getting a pro ball, then getting working your way up to – you know, the major leagues now in Kansas City and all that stuff. I mean, what kind of work does it take? What what were the breaks that fell into place for you to get to that to that spot in your career? Um uh several things. I I think mainly was uh I hate to say I was I was built with it, but I, I kind of intuitively from being raised from my parents, um had a good work ethic, you know, anything that's worth doing is worth doing at the best of your abilities. And right. my dad would be out there throwing baseballs with me and my brother for as long as we were going to do it right. But if we were going to go to the field, we were going to do it right. right. Um, and then when I got into college, Todd Raleigh, he was, he was hard, hardcore, like old school baseball. Um, we're going to respect the game. We're going to run hard. And when we don't, we're going to pay the price. And, and that level of respect for what you were doing uh, really went a long way, you know. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is I just never got ahead of myself. Um, I remember I struggled a little bit my junior year when I started getting letters from major league teams, and I thought, well, maybe I'm going to get drafted. And that's the first time I'd really ever thought about it. Right. It was just like, let's just see how good I can be today and then do it over and over and over and over and over. And when you're done, you're able to look at it and say, you know, yeah, that was, I gave it a pretty good crack, you know. Yeah, I mean, just what? So, I mean, you're what you're telling me is, one day at a time, put all the work, put all the effort that you can, one day at a time, one practice session at a time, take it day by day. Don't get ahead of yourself. And I feel like that's where athletes probably mess up. Is it is they're so focused on the long term and the end result and getting to this spot, they're not focused on the step 
they're taking right now. Yeah, and I, I think it's easy to fall into those traps because I know there have been a few times where, you know, I'm having a really good year and I start looking towards free agency. And then two weeks later, I'm like, oh, now I'm not as good as I was two weeks ago. Right. And it's just like – it's really generic, but I think the the best of the best at whatever sport it is are just so concerned with the process, um, you know, sleeping, eating, the right workout routine, the, the constant like I'm doing this at this time, this at this time, this at this time, that they don't have time to worry about the stuff that's really out of their control. Right. So let, let your and let's go off top and you're probably given it and you might have to reiterate it. Your advice to a young athlete, maybe not even necessarily wanting to make it to the pro level, maybe a high school player that's just wanting to get to the next level in whatever sport, or maybe a high school player that wants to get to college. Someone, I mean, what is your? You've done it. What's your advice? Bust your tail and love it. You know, right? No, going in that it's going to be hard, but it, um, you're going to be a better person, a better husband, a better father right. because of those things. I think that's the beautiful thing about what sports does for all of us. You know, it's that discipline, um, that respect that it, it spills over into uh, everyday life. Yeah, I'm loving that you're using the word respect, um, kind of. As a coach, you know, you try to instill things in your players and how you said you respect the game. I'm, I'm no doubt you respected the team, the organization you were playing for. And that's just, that's good stuff. Obviously, you had some measure of God-given talent and ability the Lord blessed you with, but you just took that and you worked every day to get where you are. That's amazing. So, so talk to us real quick about when you get – so I'm guessing you go – it's the process. You get drafted, but then you're like in single A, double A. Is that how yours looked? And then when did you actually make the jump to – do they call it the majors, I'm guessing, is the yeah, – Yeah. Yeah. So how, how, how um, did that jump look? I was drafted in 2007, and I went to rookie ball, um, which is a, kind of a short season. A ball is – you know, it starts in the spring, but rookie ball is usually your, your draft – year because uh you know you're getting drafted later on in and the were summer. you drafted by kansas city i'm yeah, sorry drafted i went to idaho falls um and then in 2008 i went to spring training and i got to skip low a and went to high um and that was all based on the pitching coach there in wilmington delaware steve luber he tried to make some mechanical adjustments with me i was all for it and he went in there and told him this guy's not going to Burlington, Iowa. He's coachable. I want him on my team. So I got to skip a level. Oh, wow. Um, just there. You know, I was there for a year. Then I was in double A AA and triple A the following year. And then the next year in 2010, I was in triple A and got called up uh, right at the end of July. Oh, wow. So so you get called up the end of July of 2007 or 2008? No, 2010. 2010. Okay, 2010, sorry. 2010, yeah. I missed that. So 2010 – Tell us what it's like your first game. You're in the locker room or you're driving there, you're putting on your cleats, you're getting ready, you're about to go to your first major league game. Maybe. And did you play? Did you play? Or I mean, I mean, what are the emotions? What's going through your head? It was weird because I had been throwing the ball really well in AAA. Um, and we, we made a few trades. I got called up and I didn't pitch for like three days in AAA and then I got called up. And then I didn't pitch for, like, the first four games in the big league. So, I'd had, like, seven or eight or nine days between outings. Um, Oh, gosh. So, it was – yeah, it was anxiety-ridden for sure. But I I remember in Oakland, it was just kind of like – it it was going so fast, I don't really remember anything. You know, it's – Right, right. um, 
nerves or whatever, and, and I get two quick strikes on Rajah Davis. And that's your first at batter. Yeah. Your, excuse me, your first batter. Yep. And and I remember thinking, this is no different. And the next thing I know, I've got one run in and the bases loaded and one out. <laughs> <laughs> so so was, a little bit of a wake up call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luckily for me, we had a mound visit. Uh, the next pitch is a double play ball to shortstop. Um, and that was my first big league experience. That was one of maybe, you know, five or six double plays in my entire career. It seemed was, like. Was this like, are you coming in as a closer or relief? Like Just relief. Yeah. At okay. that, yeah. At that point, it's kind of, you know, you're, you're working your way into a, into a role that's more defined. You know, as you get caught up as a young player, you're usually kind of a bottom feeder. Right. What's, what's the difference in triple A and majors skill wise? Besides the Hit, paycheck. Hitting wise. <laughs> um, I would say that if my experience, it was just more of a depth thing. Um, there's major league players in AAA right now on every roster. It's just there's not nine of them, you know. Okay. Um, but I think the biggest adjustment getting to the big leagues is just realizing that you don't have to do anything different. I've, I've seen a lot of people struggle with that. They get to – the big leagues and they've been doing a certain thing in the minor leagues really well and it's like they they need to do something different and you don't they called you up because they're seeing what you're doing when they called right. you up so just right. just go do that and that's easier said than done you know we can all hit the ball straight on the driving range you yeah. know yeah, yeah going going and doing that under the gun when it counts is is harder yeah right. so sense. the difference like if you get your go-to pitch all right you, your full count let's say two outs you end the game. I'm guessing it. It all depends on the batter, or or is there always like three two? You obviously need to throw a strike, or do you you get somebody to chase something? What do you do? Um, for me, I was always the of the mindset that I'm going to give you my best stuff, and regardless of what the hitter strengths were. Okay. Right. Um, you but, felt like your best stuff was better than any batter's best. Yeah, style. there's very few occasions where I would try to make an adjustment off what I was doing because, you know, there are the Miguel Cabreras of the world that um, you can't fall into patterns and stuff with, and they're just all-time greats. But I looked at it as there's not four guys in a row in a lineup that are going to beat me if I do what I do well. Right. Now, was there a batter that just had your number? Uh, was there someone that just – you just couldn't figure out. There's a bunch of them, honestly. <laughs> uh, you know, I for years I couldn't – I never understood why I hated going to uh, Texas and playing the Rangers so much. And finally, about four or five years in, I realized that Carlos Beltran was like four for six. Uh, Prince Fielder was like four for seven. Sin Shu Chu <laughs> was like five for eight. And I was like, well, no wonder. Half their lineup was batting 500 on me. Um <laughs> But I, I always kind of loved facing the Mike Trouts and the Miguel Cabreras. Right. Because um, that's, you know, that's why you play sports is to be challenged. I've yeah. seen the video. He struck Mike Trout out, by the way. So I, um, I watched the video today, and you're throwing a slider. And uh, forgive me of the terms. And you're the, the announcer, he says you get over on it too much, and it's almost breaking the other way. Is that familiar to Yeah. Um, a lot of times it just – it worked like a split finger, um, and I, I threw a, a split too, but I used it very sparingly because when my slider was on, I could manipulate it and make it go more – you know, we call it 12 to 6, but it's more straight down. Yeah. 
um, but I could also make it move kind of right to left too. It was it was impressive to watch the movement, which is kind of like a sinker, right? That goes that way. I think that's what he yeah. get he compared it to was a sinker. So I'm guessing that might be what you're manipulating that slider to where it kind of has that. I don't know. Did I know I ever, could. Yeah, I couldn't hit you, anything. Either. Did you ever get starstruck when somebody come in the batter's box? Uh, I wouldn't call it starstruck, but scared, maybe yeah, nervous. Maybe. M- nervous. Yeah, there's plenty of those occasions. Did you face Derek Jeter? Or I did. I did. I threw him a. I think I think I faced him only once, and it was my rookie year. And I threw him a ball that I thought was going to hit him out of my hand when it <laughs> came out of my hand, and he hit a ground ball in the four hole. And I still to this day like. I don't know how he did it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was like way in on his hands. I wasn't trying to throw it there, and he just kind of like pushed it into right field, and it was – that was the only Derek Jeter I bat I think I had. So back to the original one. Who would you get like scared – or was you ever? I, I think for me it may be not, not just, a, just a player. I mean, if, you know, if – I keep saying Miguel Cabrera, but I face him a bunch in that division. If he comes up to bat with two guys and no one out and we're winning by three – that's a completely different situation than Joe Mauer with the bases loaded and no one out. You know, right, that's yeah. that's where the blood starts flowing because, you know, you're in a, you're in a real pickle at that point um, and you're going to need your best stuff and maybe a little help or some rain or a lightning bolt or something. Yeah, I know we've got – and we've got to move, but I've got to ask. Uh, at, at what point, what year was it that you were the seventh inning guy? The seventh inning guy, and then there was the eighth inning guy, and then you had your closer. And then what point after that did you move into closing? So in 2011, um, I started throwing the ball pretty well, and I kind of moved into that late inning-ish role. Um, And then 2012, I was going to be the primary seventh inning guy because we got Jonathan Broxton and Joaquin Soria. Uh, Well, Joaquin Soria tore his – UCL had to have Tommy John Wright at the end of spring training. So that moved me up to the eighth inning role. Um, and then at the trade deadline, we were out of the playoff race. So we tr- traded Jonathan Broxton. So at the end of 2012, I kind of transitioned into that closers role. And you go, is it 13, 14 back to back all star seasons? Do you remember? <laughs> I know that's, it's somewhere that, in that time yeah, frame. That, yeah, and yeah, then that you win the World right. Series in 15. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. So 13, 14. And then I think. The way your career goes is then you had Tommy John after the World Series. Yeah. Is that right? Well, I actually had the surgery right about the same time the playoffs started. So I did not get to pitch in the playoffs in 15. I pitched in the playoffs in 14 and we lost game seven of the World Series to the Giants. Okay. Yeah. And I pitched the entire next year um, kind of with a busted up elbow. And by the end of the season, I was was on fumes. So had surgery like October 1st or 2nd, right when the playoffs started. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, during that time, you, you go – and now you've pitched in the majors a couple of years. Now you got to go have the surgery. I mean, was there any – because one of the greatest things, what I've seen briefly in, about your career is in 2017 you become the comeback player of the year, which I think is unbelievable after surgery. Was there ever a time during, like, the surgery or anything you were, you were just kind of – like it's over or I mean did you always know there was going to be recovery I mean how does that look when you're you're already a few seasons into the majors now you have to have Tommy John was it bad timing what I mean what was well, going through your I think head? anytime you have surgery it's bad timing right but, you know for me it was more it was more uncertainty right I, I think uh 
you know, at one point you're on top of the world. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of felt invincible there for a while. And then, like, I'm warming up in a game in 2014 in September and felt like I dislocated my elbow. And I'm like, oh, gosh, what is this? And that kind of drug on through the playoffs and then all the way into the next year. Um, and was – was bef- did did you set the single-season save record for Kansas City before that? Yeah. 47 that, out of 50. Yeah, that would have been in 2014, I think. Yeah, yeah. so you're talking about on top of the world. Yeah. You're yeah. like the leader in the franchise's history as far as – It is. Save. I looked is at it, it today, yeah. Still is? Yeah. Still the leader. There was two other guys who had 46 – or 45, so he's actually two ahead of them. Yeah. 40, 47 out of 50. And then you got to get surgery. Yeah. And sat 2016, just sat, um, went through the process. You know, it was a long process. But fortunately, the Rockies uh, called me and signed me in 2017. I've got so many questions. I want to I see I know, if this got- is a myth. Hold on. So a lot of people say that when they have Tommy John, they throw harder. Did you throw harder after? No, no. So um, is that a myth I, or is that just so, base to base? You know, I'm I'm not a doctor or a sports whatever you would call them. Um, but my my feeling is, you know, if you're 18 and you have surgery at a, at a young age, like 18, 19 years old, you go into a very vigorous routine to get your elbow back. So you get physically stronger in areas that you probably haven't, you know, when you were 15, 16, 17 in high school. You, you weren't doing hours and hours of shoulder strengthening and mobility exercises like you would have been doing – like I was doing in my mid twenties while I was already in the big leagues. Okay, so I, DJ, uh, DJ, DJ B. Willie always comes he's through. He's just chimed he? in here. Greg Gre- Holland is the only is only the second pitcher in baseball history with four saves in four consecutive ALCS games. That was in 2014 with the Kansas City Royals against the Baltimore Orioles. Sounds like you had the Orioles number. But so let's get through this. You you get because we got to go. It's impressive. I I, I I can't stop. Um, So you get there, and then 2017, you just that's your comeback. You win the comeback player of the year that year. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome. Uh, Steve Foster was my pitching coach there, um, and he was my bullpen coach in Kansas City when I first got called up. So there was an instant connection there, and Darren Holmes. Born and raised in Asheville, North Carolina, was my bullpen catcher or bullpen coach in Colorado. So, uh, a lot of guys that I was really familiar with. The training staff kept me on the, you know, kept me on the field. When I first got to Colorado, I was ninety ninety two, still trying to figure some stuff out. hadn't pitched in over a year, um, and by the end of the season, I, you know, I, I felt great. felt felt like I'd never never left. And did the philosophy stay the same. Take one day at a time, do what I can, work as hard as I can, and then you just slowly get better, you're figuring it out, and then just do what you do. I mean, was that what is that how it went for you too? Yeah, yeah. It was it was one of those things where I don't there wasn't a light bulb moment, but I kind of got back into the rhythm of like, okay, my arm's fine. Now let's, right. now let's just go pitch. So there yeah. was never a, a concern of re injury? I I think there was initially, maybe not not worried about that, but just kind of worried about like what what was there. You know, I had times where I would be 95, 96, and the next day I would be 90, 91, and everything would feel the same. But, right. you know, it was just – it's just a weird experience coming back from injury like that. But after about a month, I, I kind of felt like I was fully back in the swing of things. Nice. And then after the Rockies, you went to a few other teams. Um, last year you were with the Rangers. 
And, uh, you know, now this year, what's going on this year? Well, I actually this year I, I broke camp. Uh, I made the Rangers team out of spring training, and I was there for eight games. They let me go. Um, and I had the opportunity to sign with some more teams, you know, but at 36 years old and shoulder doesn't feel good most of the time, back doesn't feel good most of the time, I just – you know, I I hate to say that I was leaving money on the table, but I, I was fortunate enough to where – I could make the decision to like I want to be home with the family. Um, with the family, you know they're getting to an age where I need to be there. My mom, I mean, my wife has done a phenomenal job, but you know she doesn't. She doesn't need to be doing it by herself six, seven months out of the year. Yeah. Um, and you know I'm I'm just in a good spot with it. I'm you know I'm happy with where I'm at. And now you've you've signed. With a softball team, slow pitch softball <laughs> <laughs> is what I've heard here in McDowell County, which is a big move. <laughs> for no, and it was a heck of a pay cut. I had to tell you, <laughs> it was a heck of a pay cut. <laughs> yeah, we gotta um, get into golf. But anyway, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate the work ethic you put forward. The example, you know, living here in McDowell County, you're an example to a lot of the the youth sports, you know, we can point to you and look at a guy like you. I mean, Chase said you are a little bit undersized, and I don't want to – you know, I was taken aback because you see professional athletes are normally over six foot, and I saw – and I'm like, this guy right here did did the unbelievable, what very few do. And it was awesome. It's awesome to have that example. But we've got to switch into we are a golf podcast. Now, let me – before we get into golf, have you ever – I'm a disc golf guy, and that's kind of the – have you ever played disc golf? Because there's a lot of – I have Dylan not. Cease is big into it. There's a lot of MLB pitchers that like it and that are really good at it because of their arm speed, of course. I have not. And to be honest with you, I can barely even throw a Frisbee and keep it flat. Like, it immediately goes up, okay. upright and starts hitting the ground. Okay. As long as the grass is not out of bounds, I could probably roll it up there. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into golf. So, when did you get into golf? Um, It was later. You know, I I got to go watch my dad play golf, but um, probably didn't pick up a set of clubs and start playing until I was in high school, and that was very sparingly. When I got into college, we'd start playing sporadically. Um, but when I got into professional ball, I started playing a lot more. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask this. For a major league pitcher, and I'm sure are there during the season, what are the rules? Like, can you just go on a – like, if you're off – you don't really have many off days. You know, you're playing two or three games a week, it looks like. I mean, do you get to play during the season, or is it just – Golf weight still the off season. Well, I can tell you this: a lot of it's predicated on how good you are when you step between the lines. Um, I played. There was a time there where there was two or three of us playing. If we went on a twelve day road trip, we would play seven or eight mornings. Okay. Um, that was in my early mid twenties. You know, yeah. the last last few years, the uh, body just couldn't hold up to that kind of playing. But I would still try to play. You know, if my wife and kids weren't on the trip and we went on a road trip, I'd try to play. Once, maybe even twice, if we had an off day. So there's a good group of y'all going out to the courses. Yeah, there's on the there's, team. there's quite a few guys that golf. Um, That's crazy though, because baseball swings and golf swings do not mix. Well, Greg don't hit. I understand, but I'm sure he, <laughs> I'm sure he well, played with people who did. Yeah, there's a lot of guys, um, like just namely with when I was with the Royals the last few years, Whit Merrifield and Hunter Dozier. They're they're both pretty good golfers, but they 
they'll play on an off day here and there, but middle of the season they're they're not hitting the sticks before a game. I, yeah. You know, um, some guys, it's one of those things. If you think it might hurt your swing in a mm-hmm. game, it will. If you right. do, if you're like this isn't going to affect me, it probably won't. Yeah. Right. It's more of a mental thing, I think. Yeah. I played baseball growing up, and then got into golf, and the whole keeping your arm straight, as you know, that left arm straight. It was so foreign to me because in baseball, you know, it's of course Ben and all that when you're swinging. So you you would get to play a good bit, and um, you've been around the country. You got a favorite course? Was there a place? Was there a team you love playing because you know that golf course is there? I want to get to that course. I I played a bunch of courses. Um, you know, I I always I could name off a bunch of courses you've heard of, but in spring training, I've, there's so many courses out there in Arizona that just are in perfect shape in the spring. Um, right. Quintero is one of my favorite courses up there, but it's really hard. Um, the Marion Lake Club, though, is the hardest 6,000 yards yes, it is. in the world. So, <laughs> 5,500. Is that what it is? Yeah. Know, it's like 5,600 yards. I know it chewed me up here a couple of weeks ago in the county. <laughs> hey, it did them too. I, you, know, <laughs> what, you know what's hilarious is I made that exact statement Sunday to Stephen Airwood. I said, this has got to be the hardest 5,500-yard golf course in this side of the daggum world. Well, you you just got to hit it 240 down the middle, and then you can play it. But yeah. I just don't have that gear in me. Yeah, I mean, I played <laughs> well, but it's still – it's not easy for sure when you're when you're not hitting well, it well there. So, so you would be playing all these courses, come back, um, and then your brother's getting good. I mean, during your career, he's getting really good. Uh, did, were you ever come back and like – Man, Chase, you got it together. You know, was that her, her, yeah, how he, did that go? He could really play, um, and he's still he's still a good player. You know, he just I I don't know. You know, his his, uh, his younger years, he could really strike it like nobody I've ever seen. Right. Um, he could hit it as far as he wanted to. He's a good wedge player. Um, I think he alluded to the the mental aspect of the game, uh, right. just like all sports, man. It's like it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to get through some of that stuff and. And when he was trying to play too, he was trying to work to have enough money right. to get in these tournaments. So he was grinding. He, yeah. So he was limiting himself in practice yep. because he was working. It, it's just a tough deal. But I will say this: I tied him one time. Never beat him, but I did tie him one time. Broadmoor. Broadmoor. Oh yeah, yeah. we played Broadmoor. Uh-huh. I have played Broadmoor. Yeah. But you got to be on his bag some too, right? I bet that was nice. Yeah, and. And let me tell did you, did he listen to you, or did he just do his own thing? You just carry. His glad, clothes? luckily for him, no, because I remember <laughs> uh, we were. He was in a tournament. I was caddying for him, and I don't know if he asked me what do you see, but I just went ahead and told him what I saw. <laughs> I was like, I think it's going to break about a foot to the left. <laughs> and him and the two guys that were playing with him, all three looked at me like laser beams. And I, and it embarrassed him, I think, as much as it embarrassed me because the putt broke about eight inches to the right. He would probably tell you – he would probably stretch that story a little bit, but yeah. I misread the putt, the putt by a good two, three feet. On the you know? side of the hole. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, hey, that's me. It's going to break about a foot left. No, it's going about a foot right. But So don't let me caddy for you. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, we There's a lot of us that can't read a green to save our lives. But so let me ask you this: Is there anything in baseball that that helps with your golf game? Like you was talking about the mental, the mental ability, that, or is there anything that you can think of that maybe translate to golf? Don't or? let him fool you; he can hit it a long way too. Can you? I yeah, imagine. I, I mean, I mean, I I can move it pretty good, um, but it gets me in trouble because a lot of times, you know, 
semi-drivable par four, but if you don't hit it right up on the green or really close to it, you're going to be re-teeing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pulling the trigger of a driver about every time. Yeah. So, Go big um, or go home. If I keep it in play, I can I can play, but I'm I'm gonna hit two or three balls out of bounds. So I would just <laughs> I've transitioned to like I'm gonna have it fun, really a lot of fun, but still try to keep it competitive because you know after you drive to the course, thinking you're gonna shoot three or four under enough, and you shoot eighty four, it's like <laughs> you're taking this way too serious, yeah. and maybe you're not a scratch golfer. Yeah, but you are. Is a golf, three-time it, all-star baseball player, and that's even better. Than is golf the most challenging sport you've ever played? Yeah. You know, the beauty of baseball is you can throw a bad pitch and get a foul ball. I've thrown a bunch of really bad pitches that got popped up in the infield or hit to the warning track or a guy makes a dive and play. A bad swing with a golf club, there, a foul ball is a lost ball. Right. Yeah. There's no forgiveness. No. None at all. That's That's awesome. Well, real quick, before we let you go – We've got one more segment, and uh, we kind of wanted to do we, – we do game time on this show, and we wanted to do that with you. We got kind of something interesting to see how well you you know yourself in your baseball career. Well, so, by some of the faces he was given earlier. Yeah, well, he might not. He might not. So <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to cue up the music for game time. All right, so Anthony has looked up your stats in your career, and we wanted to see how well you could or how well you remember your career. So what he's doing is he's – how many stats are you going to show uh, – Well, give first me? of all, I, I meant to ask this question earlier. Where did number 56 come from? Or is that just – you picked it. Huge Brian Erlacher fan. Okay. No, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> when I got called up, that was the number that was in my locker, and I didn't question it. Okay. I, was, I just didn't want them to change their mind. So. So game time. Um, so tell them how it's going to work. I don't really know. We're just gonna we're gonna wing it. Okay. So we're going to give you some stats, and you need to tell us what year this was for you. Okay. So okay. so we'll give you the stats, and you try to guess what year, and and team. I guess year and team. It'll probably be from the. Well, we'll see what we got. We'll see yeah. what we got. So, first one is this. Your ERA for this year. And, and this is crazy. I mean, nobody's going to know these, but was 3.83, okay? And you gave up two home runs. 3.83, you gave up two home runs. 3.83, I must have been getting older. <laughs> you only no clues. Only gave up two I, home runs. So. I, I don't know why that you was, that had that. A, He's had much yeah, better ERAs. I know, I know but I, if I give hey, Greg, the, come on to our show so we can give you your worst stats. <laughs> ever. If I give him oh. the best one, obviously he knows the best one. There's much worse out there. <laughs> there is more that's worse That had that to be – two home runs had to be the COVID year. That's got to be 2000 and – what year was the COVID year? 20? 20? No, that's incorrect. Gosh, am I close? 2015. I had a three eight two thousand fifteen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, got a, I gave up a bunch of runs late before I do, had my elbow surgery. Do you remember who the home runs were? Well, I don't know that. No. Do you remember? Mm-mm. I don't know that. <laughs> okay, since y'all are bashing me here, <laughs> ERA one point eight zero, and you gave up three oh. home runs. Two thousand eleven. That is correct. Wow. Two thousand eleven. I've got 2011. one. Two thousand eleven. One. See, point. if you give him a. 0.87. No, I'm not. He knows okay. What it is. <laughs> All right. Hey, Greg, you gave up 80 home Actually, runs this year. Actually, I'm going to say I'm going to save this one for last. Go ahead. 
Okay. I'll, I'll just give you one more then. Um, he got the 2011 pretty Well, quick. he'll probably know this one too. 7.92 ERA. <laughs> oh, no. And home runs. That were, was the St. Louis Cardinals. I, it was. It I'm was sti- only one home run, though. I'm still a wanted man in, in those parts. <laughs> Can't go back to St. Louis. Can no. For some reason, St. Louis is not on here again. Yeah. So. I got to make sure I've got enough gas to get through the state. <laughs> All right. Here. here we go. Through April 12, 2022, this is your all-time <laughs> stats. Okay. You. It says that you have 58 games. Do you know your win-loss record? Oh, I would, I would guess that I'm slightly above 500. So. That would be a good guess. I'm going to say 32 and 26. That's close. 30 and 28. Oh. And your all-time ERA. At one point, it was under three, and it snuck up there late. 3.2. 3.12. Oh, better was, than I thought. Yeah, How about that? Total strikeouts. Total strikeouts. 500. 676. You're oh. underselling yourself. And total saves. Two-something. 220? 220. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you've been looking at yourself. On no, 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 no. <laughs> I got the, They presented me a baseball, and I got 200 when I was with the Cardinals. I mean, the uh, Diamondbacks. So, I knew I had at least 200. Yeah, can I ask you this? Because we're about to let you go. And, and you might not can answer. Not the organization, okay? But just – you probably can't answer this. Worst what, person what? ever? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The, the favorites – city you like living in can you answer that yes or no or, or was there one that maybe not your favorite or that you really enjoyed your time there as far as just outside of the baseball uh i mean the only thing that comes to mind you know i i loved it in colorado um i enjoyed washington most of the places honestly but kansas city is home for me you know they drafted me in 2007 i was there through 2015 um loved the park didn't have to go through downtown. We lived in Overland Park, which is kind of a suburb of Kansas City. And anytime I can go to a big league stadium and go home without going through downtown traffic, it's a win for me. So I, I love my time in Kansas City. Yeah, awesome. Did what you, was your salary in 2000? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> did you Did you like – I thought you were serious. <laughs> did you like – and this, this may be a dumb question, but did you like day games or night games better? Big night game guy. The only thing good about day cooler? games is when they're over. <laughs> it, no, it just it just throws your whole routine off, you know. Yeah, I, but you it also leaves you time day. for the for the rest of the day. Like I said, they're good when they're over. But like for me, <laughs> at a seven o'clock game, there was a lot of times if I had if I needed to work out like lift weights, I would be at the field at one o'clock for a seven o'clock game. So that's brutal. You know, you you back up a. I mean, this, you have a you have a seven o'clock game that you get home at midnight or one o'clock to the hotel. And then you've got a one o'clock game the next day. Like it's impossible to be at the field at six or seven in the yeah. morning. Right. This is a little off topic, but I feel I don't know if Greg's ever heard this, but this will be like you know for the school people and everything. I'm guessing you know who Dayton Moore is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard this statement, but it says Greg Holland is one of the very best and most talented relief pitchers that I've been around. The success of our bullpen is a direct correlation to his toughness and his competitive spirit. So we all admire him as a person and a pitcher. Have you ever heard that? No, I haven't. But that's why I uh, – He's crying right now, guys. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I, I love Dayton more to death. He's, uh, you know, he he care, he's one of the one of the guys that he cares about the players off the field, their families. Um, 
man, I got a lot of ton of respect for that man. So. Real quick, are you playing any golf soon? I don't know. Uh, you know, we've got the – I'm going to get the deer hunt opening day, September 10th, for the first time since I was 18. So wow. I'm kind of getting dialed in for that. Um, if I was playing really good golf, I would still be hitting them. Luckily for me, I've got a place I can hit balls in my basement. Um, so I don't know when I'm going to be out on the course, but I usually hit 30, 40 balls every day anyway. How is your golf game right now, seriously? Well, it depends on the day. I mean, I played in the county and I shot ninety three seventy eight. So, wow, <laughs> you never know what's hey, going to happen. Actually, <laughs> busted out of the flight and won the next flight. That's that's impressive, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was a but, real gut punch after day one driving back up that mountain, dude. After I, a fire in ninety three. After that day, and I said, "What are you doing?" And he texted back and said, "Trust me, I would have been a whole lot happier with seventy seven seventy seven instead of the ninety on." The- uh, well, so you I'm, do uh, you do have something signed for us, right? I don't have or, it. Or you signed. don't have it. Right? I don't. I didn't know if you wanted to video it live for confirmation. No, uh, 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 DJ B Willie's got something for you. We to sign, sign your name. Look, he's DJ, got everything. Do not right. sign your name. DJ Billy B Willie just keeps pulling out stuff for Greg to <laughs> sign right now. Uh, Put your shirt down. Your that, we're going to do a giveaway. <laughs> uh, whatever you got a baseball, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Greg has a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are dumb. Stop. Um, yeah, we got to – you tired. need to listen because here, here's how you can win. Greg has a baseball that he's going to sign, and we're going to give it away, okay? And we will do it the same way we've been doing it. You have to like the post. And, no, you have to share the post. You have to share the post to be entered Okay, in. if we get enough shares. We will. We will. You have to like and share the post. If you do, you will be entered in to win a Greg hey, Holland signed r- baseball. Really quick, I'm going to Myrtle Beach tomorrow. Okay. On a golf trip, just so you know. Have fun. I'm going to play the Legends in Myrtle <laughs> Beach. I'm glad you let us know. I'm sure Greg so, was too. <laughs> what, you, you, usually, you usually ask if we've played any golf, and I was excited to say that I'm going to the beach in the morning to play golf. Well, have fun, and we'll talk about it next podcast. Do you have anything else? Hit them straight, man. Yeah, I'm going to try. I appreciate you guys having me on. No, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, fellas, anything else? If not, we'll no, wrap it dude, up. No, this was awesome. I appreciate now, it. Like us. Please follow. Follow. Follow the Facebook the Facebook page. Follow us on the podcast um, app you're watching on. If it's Podbean, if it's Apple, Spotify, whatever you're listening to us on, please follow. Share the podcast if you want to be entered for the giveaway. DJ B. Willie, he's not signing your back. Okay, <laughs> chill back there. All right, we got it. We got to get out here. We got to let Greg get back up the mountain. So, all right. Till next time, whether it's swinging a club or throwing a disc, go play some golf. We're out. We're out.